0: Welcome listeners to the 29th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhards. With me as always are my powerful co-hosts, the wonderful wizards, Robinson C and Christopher Riekström. The very best of welcome to you, dear listeners.
1: Hello friends. Hello everybody. I hope you're doing well.
0: Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on a Top Decked app. In today's episode, we will discuss the paper play of the week as per usual, and then we will once again set ourselves to the task of choosing which basic land is the supreme choice for a legacy deck in our basic land connoisseur panel. This time, we will look at the swamps for Black Red Reanimator. But first, this is a paper play legacy podcast. Robin, how did your paper week go?
2: This week, I brought my son again on Goblins, and for myself, I brought... Bant again <laughs> i think it was the same same setup the week before the last week so i met three non-blue mid-range decks first maverick then dnt and then jund and i only won against dnt there and uh, lost against both jund and maverick and i felt like the mana base really 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 didn't really cooperate and come together again and I actually made some changes to sort of try to, to get my mana base a little bit better. So I, I thought that the like the quattles was the perpetrator and they were forcing me to fetch the basics and thus I never had the, the colors that I needed. So I, I trimmed down on the on the quattles. And since our meta is so fair, I also trimmed down on Force of Negations and went all the way up. To four endurances, the full playset. and like the idea was that I'm I'm going to have this fetch heuristic where I want blue, green, and then another green because that that's like the Uro colors, and if I have a, a playset of uh, endurances, that's that's also playable with that color combination. But it didn't really go as planned. I was mana screwed many of the games, and like four endurances felt kind of clunky. And I also sort of miss the, the velocity that Quattle brings where it can trips and like, you can do it at the end of turn and just move on from, uh, in your second turn. So my next step, I think, is for Quattels to sort of fully embrace fetching of basics and and having a a fetching heuristic of basic island basic forest and and go from there and uh, maybe i I can streamline the other cards to sort of work better with a a complete uh, basic mana base in the early game so i'm I'm like trying so like this week I, i just fetched all my duels and i have no Almost no coattles uh, that need the basics. And thus I get wastelanded out of the game. So new tactics to see how that works. And I also ordered a full playset of Paradox Zone (laughs) with the intention of crushing the fair metagame.
0: Here they come. The ethereal
2: spirits.
1: Are you going to read it? Because I had to search it.
2: Yeah, I can do that. It's an enchantment for four colorless and a green. Paradox Zone enters the battlefield with a growth counter on it. At the beginning of your end step... Double the number of growth counters on paradox zone, then create a zero zero green and blue fractal creature token and put x plus one plus one counters on it, where x is the number of growth counters on the paradox zone. So it enters with one and that and then in your like the same end step that you play it. You double the growth counters to 2, and then you make a 2-2. Two, two. And then in your next end step, you double it to 4 and make a 4-4. Four, four. And then in your third end step, you double it and make an 8-8. And then it just goes bananas after that. So this is a real good late-game card, and it dodges a lot of the removal cards in, in Legacy at the moment. Like, Prismatic Ending cannot touch it. I mean, it can touch it, of course, with five different mana colors. And it touches Decay. Uh, the blast, both the red and the blue. So I think it's going to s- be quite sticky. And especially if, if people are like trying out with a blue command to sort of... Uh, yeah, I'm looking at you, Christopher.
1: <laughs> hey, I'm just, I'm just trying to play <laughs> greedy
2: piles. Yeah, I mean, uh, once again, maybe enchantment can have that sort of space that it used to have that it's almost impossible to remove if everyone is going for artifact hate and low CMC hate. So the plan is to go up a bit on lands and then just... Use Quattles and Uru to just stay in the game, make your land drops, and then Paradox Zone people out of the game.
0: I think this card really puts in Nickfit the earlier tech of Sandworm Convergence to shame. Oh, yeah. Sad to say, because the Wurm Machine was really something of a nice card. But The Wurm Machine has uh, a mana value of 8, yeah, which makes it virtually not uncastable in... in But, you know, a a mana value of five with only one colored mana, that's, you know, a real thing that you could actually probably hard cast if you need to. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to probably order myself a copy as well and see how that works out.
2: My only, like, uh, gripe with this card is that I'm not a fan of this art. And I'm not a fan of the tokens it makes either. But maybe I will use <laughs> another token as the token for this the creatures that it makes. Uh, I don't have any Fractal tokens, and the ones that I have seen, not very good looking.
1: We'll see. How, how does, uh, because I know that you've been a fan, like during the um, the Snoko meta, you were a big fan of the Big Garrick. So how, how does this uh, compare to Big Garrick? Uh
2: I think this is actually a lot better than Big Garrick. Big Garrick makes a 3-3 every turn, but I mean, it's, it's quite easily killed with just an attack step. And, and this one is a lot more sticky, I think. And uh, I mean... Big Garak sort of had same of, some of the same properties. It's a token maker. It dodges a lot of the removal, the blast, and all of that. But I think like being a planeswalker in, in a deck that doesn't present many creatures of its
1: own, it's always a vulnerability. Uh, so, I mean... Yeah, and triple, triple green without the astrolabes might also be a burden, like a, a threshold to yeah. pass. I just realized that.
2: Yeah, I haven't really tried it in, in like the new iterations of, of Snoke or, or Band Control. Uh, so I haven't really like felt how it how it is to cast a, a three green uh, Planeswalker on turn five or turn four if you had an Uro. But uh, yeah, this this is much easier on the mana and, and uh, maybe a bit more sticky and maybe a bit more like overwhelming uh, for a couple of turns.
0: I'm looking forward to see how this shakes out for sure. This is a uh, yep. very interesting tech. Yeah. yeah. So how, how, uh, how, how, was, uh, how was the evening for your son? He
2: lost most of his matches, uh, but he, he had a great learning experience. So good in the end, I think.
0: Well, that's good. Legacy yeah. dad, once again. We <laughs> love you for I just it. wanted
1: to add something that you said about the Quattles. And I do think that Quattle is one of the things that glues the deck together because you want to get on the ground early, to defend yourself and you know it having flash and uh, cantripping uh, for me when i'm playing like uh, a control deck with quattles or aluren sometimes it doesn't matter if it has death touch or not like early game it trades with a lot of important things like uh, it, it will trade with a monkey anyways and uh, the part that can trips will just help you progress into the game and then late game Uh, like yeah you will find a lot of lands so when you top deck one late game it's always a pain when when you know when you play a Quattle on turn seven when the opponent has kind of like oh now I got some pressure going and you find a Quattle and suddenly they have to find removal before their Merc Tide or something can attack I think that's extremely good and uh, I definitely like Quattle even if it doesn't have death touch all the time. Like early game Quattro to cantrip uh, will get you to more basics.
2: Yeah, I I, I think you're, you're quite on the spot there because like one thing that happened a lot that I sort of felt was that i would so my idea was i would play endurance and then block something i would like uh, you know make that sneaky sneaky blocker and then 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 trade with something no not trade with something block something and kill it and then have like uh, a threat of my own either to pressure the, the life total a little bit or to pressure opposing planeswalkers but what actually happened was that i was holding up three mana that is such a tell that something is up for one thing and the other thing is that when they attack okay i played my endurance and then you just plow it and and then i get nothing from it because i wasn't playing it really for the uh, coming to the battlefield effect and it didn't block it didn't trade with anything and i didn't get the card from it even If it was a Quattle, they would be trading down with their plow. And that would have been much better for me. So it never really did what I wanted
1: it to do.
0: All right. So, Christopher, how did uh, your week go? Did you get any epic plays in?
1: Yeah, I I did get some epic plays in. I sleeved up the exact same checkpile list as last week. And uh, the deck list is in the Discord. You can check it out. It's a very fun list. I tried it out and I've noticed some weaknesses with it. But uh, I'm not gonna address them. I'm just gonna keep on jamming it because I I, I think like I need some more reps. But uh, yeah, I, I went three one and I picked up a loss against a combo deck this week as well. Like uh, last week it was manaless dredge, and this week it was my first round opponent on oops all spells. And it was super funny because the opponent that I was playing against usually plays Nickfit variants or, you know, some really spicy, you know, donate uh, <laughs> donate list. Um, so my opening hand actually had double force, double blue card, Volk. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, I'm going to get Nickfitted. This is going to be bad. So I molded to a six with Ponder, Brainstorm, and stuff like that. My opponent just went, turn one, Undercity Informer, go. And I was like, "Oh, this is incredibly bad." <laughs> so I lost game one. Game two was super funny. I actually won with a Collagen's command, which is extremely funny because you might think, "How do you win <laughs> with a Collagen's command against uh, Oops All Spells?"
0: I am curious. Yeah.
1: So my opponent had a transformational sideboard into Doomsday, and <clears throat> the funniest thing with Doomsday is pretty much. They try to resolve this really big spell and try to kill you the same turn or the turn after. So when my opponent went for a turn two Doomsday, I just decided to, okay, I'm going to force it. My opponent packed the negations. I let it resolve and then I force a negation, the Doomsday. The Doomsday is countered and my opponent has an LED and two lands in play so that they can pay for Pact. So I just untap, play a land, and call against command the lead and make him discard a card. Num, num,
0: num, 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 num. So
1: yeah, lethal call against. But then in game three, I I had a really good opportunity to, uh, like my opponent had not that much mana. So the first fret I could counter, but not the second fret, and I was really close on getting some really nasty engines going, and I was digging for you know a Nile spell bomb or something like that, but. I just couldn't find anything. And then the funniest thing happened, like when they actually resolved the uh, balustrades by spy, they they milled their whole deck and I was like, ah, shoot, I couldn't find the like a force or graveyard hate. And my opponent just showed free pacts of negation. So the hand was only free pacts. So a knife spell bomb would still have been good because they wouldn't have been able to pay for pact. But it was just super awkward. <laughs> and then I played against Free non-blue decks in a row, and this deck is kind of built to beat up on blue decks. Uh, I would say, like it's a it's a grinded deck. It's not really trying to go bigger than other uh, blue decks, but it's trying to draw more cards and presenting, like with Deck Grist and Jace, you're seeing a lot of cards. So you'll find good answers. You have a Call Against Commands and Uro. So it's like just think about all the value you can get from a couple of turns when the deck is just working smoothly
2: such a value train
1: yeah i'm i'm totally addicted to to value cards so
0: what really no
1: yeah yeah, yeah like i have a problem <laughs> but it's it's it's, it's <laughs> you know, a problem mean, i won't fix
0: it's like you're also like attached unhealthily to any any deck that's like it's gonna be a problem if i face combo Other than that, I'm going (laughs) to be fine. (laughs) It's like, you every tournament. Like As long as I don't face combo, guys, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be fine. (laughs)
1: That's my alert and mantra. Like, yeah, but I won't play against Dark Ritual combos. Like, the rest I can deal with. (laughs) And then, like, at Nationals. (laughs) But this deck is actually, like, post-sideboard, this deck is extremely mean against combo. So I do, like, uh, I actually only play for Force of Will in the main as like counter magic. And then it's like, I, I don't play discard like the original check pile list used to do with Inquisition and Hems. I'm just trading all that in for like, you know, extra removal with the Bloom Command and the uh, Crusher Giants. Some, I'm, I'm trying to win a, a fair game one and then I go super anti-combo game, game two, where I bring in you know force of negation, fluster, veil vale of summer, surgical extraction, like Nile spell bombs, and uh, you know just some some super nasty things. If I'm playing against artifact combo, I got like null rod and uh, seeds of innocence. It's 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 actually pretty good against uh, against combo. But I I give the the first game like a two out of five. <laughs> like I have Counterplay, mm-hmm. but it's it's not gonna work out <laughs> like game one against the reanimator opponent i'm not gonna feel great uh, but then like game two and three it's gonna be on them
0: as the saying goes to game one against reanimator i mean you don't say so you're not gonna go well then again who does
1: yeah like that's the that's the idea so uh, yeah i played against three uh, non-blue opponents Def and taxes first and it was a pretty similar game as uh as last week uh, but this time like we had a super grindy game one last week but this week i just i found the pressure points and i pressed them a bit harder this time uh, getting a lot of two for ones with like call against command and with the bloom command like just killing your vial kill your phalia, and just repeating that you know in game in game two i did get called red sometimes you get called red and uh, you don't plan on having a good game against that card and it's it's fine it's it's the deck you like it's it's what you chose if you can get an uro into play and uh, this deck does play like free uro two grist to dak. so the the idea is to a lot of times not even play it the first time just escape it the first time it's uh, yeah it can it can create some like really interesting board states where they might not want to attack with caldra And that's dangerous against the back deck. But yeah, so uh, game three, I I just, the card, I drew all of the mean cards and uh, it killed the opponent. Then I played against uh, the Ragavan Jund uh, opponent, which like Ragavan is so annoying in that deck because it kind of like against Jund, a lot of times it used to be you get discarded a bit in the beginning and then they start playing some value engines like, a dark Confidant, like uh, Sylvan Library, or like Liliana, things that's really bad if you're a blue deck. But Ragavan really makes that whole equation a lot more annoying because uh, I'd rather get discarded turn one than, than playing a Ragavan. But yeah, so I, I did lose game one. In game two, I did some some things. I can I think my opponent got a bit land screwed. With the Witherbloom command can do some nasty things sometimes and I board in life from the loam and another wasteland in this matchup to pressure the mana. And game 3, I don't play Abrupt Decay in my sideboard which I might actually add because I got choked. <laughs> it's pretty rough, but I did manage to beat my opponent through choke by I I resolved one grist and I had bad lands and bayou so when he tried to decay my my grist i got to veil it like uh, when i had made three or four insects already and i was always i had like a dark blast in the sideboard no, in the graveyard that i could like get at all times if they played a creature and i also had like a bolt and another veil so i was just sitting there like yeah this grist is gonna is gonna kill the opponent eventually and it did so the last match was against Maverick, and this is also like it, it was one of those matchups where I was thinking my mana base is not built to manage Maverick that well. And game one, in the first five turns, I got wastelanded four times until I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I picked them up, and uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty rough.
0: Can't really get worse than that, can it? Like,
1: yeah, it was it was super funny, like. Uh, I had a force of will, and I knew that my opponent was a Maverick because it, here's the here's the deal. So my opponent goes turn one. I think mother runes or no, not mother runes. Like uh, birds of paradise and noble Hierarch, like one of those mana accelerators. And I just go turn one ponder. And my opponent goes Falia. And I'm like no, they wasteland me first and then go Falia. And I'm like okay, so if if I don't force this, I might be in a lot of trouble because. Like, I had my hand was pretty much incense and sorceries. Like, all my removal, I was just looking at it, like, yeah, it's going to be dead. So I forced it, and my opponent went, like, here is a Knight of the Reliquary. And then they just started wastelanding me. And it was, uh, like, Wasteland Tribal. We joked about it, like, when we were sideboarding. He was like, yeah. So I'm playing Wasteland Tribal today. And I'm like, oh, man, this feels bad. So I boarded in Life from the Loam and another Wasteland. And in game two, I wastelanded my opponent three times in the first five turns <laughs> and uh, then started plussing with Jace.
0: Shake pile. <laughs> Shake my head. Yes,
1: it was it, like, yeah, this is this is how it feels. <laughs> and then in game game three, it was one of those games where I get to do some, do some like, I think the green sun for Arbor. I killed it. I start playing some Strix, some Dak, and... Uh, I got to do this extremely nice trick that I love, which is I had three mana. My opponent had a Folia and a, a Noble Hierarch in play. So, in my upkeep, I decide to Dark Blast the Folia, and then I dredge my Dark Blast for the draw step to Dark Blast the Hierarch, and then play Wasteland and Wasteland my opponent. And yeah, it's, Dark Blast has just been overperforming, and I think it's extremely good if you're scared against monkeys. So, yeah,
2: free one Cool. Man, it feels like we had quite similar games, except that you were able to turn turn around the results. I, I was also choked and wasted <laughs> and all of that. I didn't have Wastelands on my own, didn't have cool Planeswalkers that could produce tokens. So, yeah,
0: good deck is good. I
1: was I was thinking about this card a lot when it came out, but Grist. Mm,
0: mm. Yeah. I was going to say Grist. Mm.
1: It's, uh, it's my homie. What can I say? I've been... Uh, I'm a broken record on this podcast, but Grist is uh, one of my absolute favorite Planeswalkers. It's like it has that Oko feel, but without being too powerful. So it's it's yeah never going like it's it's never going to get banned, I think. And it's just no, it's just on the right power level and in a deck like this or Alern, as I played uh, Grist in before. You do trade so many resources in the beginning. So when the Grist actually sticks, your opponent is like kind of locked out from playing creatures because you're just gonna throw an insect at them. Or if they like play a Teferi, you're just gonna throw an insect at it. Uh, like the Teferi is gonna cantrip. So it's, it's extremely nice. I'm a big Grist fan. It's, it's extremely powerful in this deck, especially with the call against commands where you can just pick it up uh, also. Because it's a creature in the graveyard and with on yeah. Nerf. It's it's a perfect power
2: level and no, no none of the like feel bad from Oko, just
1: feel good. <laughs> yeah, like when you're when you're playing against the Oko deck and you're sitting there looking at your hand, you have like two ensnaring bridges and you're like, oh, these aren't gonna do anything. I'm still gonna they're gonna elk it and then they're gonna keep on beating me up with these elks. But yeah, so that was my like another. Late night, smooth talk with Grist.
0: (laughs) Well, for me, it was another week of scheduled challenges. But as 2022 is fast approaching, there are more chances for me in the near future. Down and put our ceremonial hats on for the basic land connoisseur panel. At this meeting, we shall once more look at swamps. This time for Black Red Reanimator, Christopher. Why don't you start us off here? Which is the best swamp for Black Red Reanimator?
1: So I'm I'm not the the seasoned uh, reanimator player, but I did suggest that we do reanimator just for Victor because I know how much he he loves this deck and Grizzle Daddy.
0: There's a gold star going into my episode editing protocol uh, as we speak when I prepare to uh, to edit this episode later. So, uh, you know, well done,
1: you. <laughs> so when I think about Reanimator, I'm thinking about, like, some sort of unholy thing going on. Like, it's it's some sort of ceremony or, you know, it's something... I, can, I can't really put it into good words, but it's, like, otherworldly thing going on. Like, when... The Grizzlebrand comes in early and now like the Archon of Cruelty. Like it's these massive creatures just ascending. And the two swamps that I picked are kind of like the two sides of the deck for me. So the first one is uh, pack uh, Japan. So it, it has like this small cemetery with uh, some lights on it. And it kind of looks like a ritual taking place or, or just like... Some people lighting lighting candles to you know help spirits find home. I just think that it's it, it it encapsulates the like mystic part of what has been buried, but it's it's not gonna stay there. I think this deck just prepares the opponent, like maybe something unfair is about to happen, or like you're about to enter the spirit realm real quickly. You'll join. You'll be another candle uh, when when this game is over. And the second land I picked is from Shards of Alara. It's uh, number 238 in the set by Chippy. And this is the, the Esper Swamp. Esper overall in the set is like super like symmetrical figures. It's like a re- some really nice shapes. But this one looks like it's some sort of modernized, high sci-fi fantasy temple of sorts. And there's this moon in the background which is just lighting up the whole place. Maybe it's a sunrise going on behind a temple, or it's just straight up like moon glare. For me, it feels like this could be a place where I see this massive figure ascending from the ground to block out all of the light. And uh, I I, I can definitely see, you know, that you see the the contrast of a, a grizzle brand or what's the new... What's the latest angel that everyone loves? Uh, Sarah's emissary, like a big creature, which is just covering up all of the light, and all you see is this massive creature in front of you. So that's those are my two picks. Uh, what do you guys think?
0: I think the Epcot Japan Swamp Graveyard. With I, 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 sort of I really go um, I really associate Will of the Wisp here. If our listeners are old enough to remember, "Will of the Wisp," uh, sort of "Will of the Wisp" flying around in this graveyard, which of course for me is a big lore throwback. Uh, I really like that touch, uh, but I really love your second choice, the 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 Esper Swamp. This is a majestic, majestic swamp that doesn't look like a swamp, but doesn't matter because it looks like a reanimator land for all the reasons that you said. I really, I really, I, I I'm getting Dune. I'm getting Blade Runner, I'm getting Expanded Universe, Star Wars, uh, in all the best ways you can possibly uh, think of those styles. So, uh, yes, this is um, this is a, a dangerous place. And the more you look at it, the more dangerous it becomes. Yeah,
2: I agree with Victor. I'm also a big fan of the Shadzer of Alara. Uh, land, and it was on, on my short list, I should say, as well, for a land to pick. I had a similar thought when I was picking a land that you had. Like uh, what at least, like this deck, maybe when you think about it, you think that you are sort of uh, having a, a large like number of acolytes that is like summoning this great beast to sort of come from the netherworld or something like that. But if you really think about what Reanimator does, it's more like th- that you discover... There is this uh, fallen demon that is like resting in this tomb or something like that. And so you, you bring out the, the necromancers instead to, to raise it from the dead. And uh, like uh, this land that you picked really looked like one of these tombs where this demon could reside. That, that's, that's how you put it into play.
0: It's a very animate dead card, but also reanimate.
1: Yeah, like all of the reanimation spells, and one of the things that I just wanted to, uh, if if we go back to the eight pack Japan, the reason why I picked it was not specifically for Black Red Reanimator, but it was also for World Gorger and uh, uh, Tenfins because it feels like like Gorio's Vengeance is a Kamigawa card, and it has a strong spiritual connection. So that was kind of like what it kind of bled into my reanimator feeling of this. So it, uh, yeah, it, I I just think that depending on on your flavor of reanimator, it has uh, a different value, I guess.
0: No, I buy that for sure.
1: So, uh, Robin, will you tell us about your pick?
0: Absolutely.
2: So. <clears throat> As I said, I was looking for a card that would really sort of be the resting bed of this uh, great demon. But I think that actually you made a better choice than me in that regard. I chose a land that has more uh, graveyard-centric art direction. So this one is the Swamp from Jumpstart. It's number 61 in the series, drawn by Andrea Rocha. Uh, So like the picture is a a cemetery with a lot of tombstones, uh, stairs and a a crypt in the background and a a few trees which look almost dead or they don't have any leaves on. And then there's this really pale moon shining down over all of this and it's a very blue uh, and black card. This is not really such a good resting ground. As as your more like monumental buildings that is on your swamp, but what it really uh, like goes well together with is the reanimation spells and entomb, in my opinion, because all of them are taking place in this sort of graveyard, and like I'm thinking about that. Uh, that picture when there's an like a an, an zombie arm coming up from the ground. That could certainly happen in this place. So it it has a real uh, like uh, reanimation and graveyard centric feel to it.
0: Oh absolutely it has. And another lore win for you that I don't think you even realized. Is that in the foreground to the left in this graveyardy swamp. There is a tombstone with the Amazon restored symbol on top of the tombstone. Which is the set from where Grizzlebrand is. All oh, right. So I think that detail really enhances this card, even though, of course, Grizzlebrand was trapped in the Vault and, and, and so on. It, it still sort of takes you back to Avacyn Restored. That made it even better.
1: <laughs> That's where the playability of Miss Hollow Griffin lies now. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Like in that grave. No, it's... Uh, it, it, it's that deck is dead. <laughs> no, it's, it's still a sweet deck yeah, that I love. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this, uh, this pick because it's, uh, it's very blue in its color. For me, it kind of feels Scandinavian. Like late nights in, in Sweden, especially during winters, we have like, a, when it's not cloudy, like a super strong moonlight a lot of times. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of nostalgic for me, I guess. And not the graveyard, but the, the lighting. It looks, like you mentioned, like dead and cold. That's kind of like game one.
0: I think you are perfectly on the spot here, but we could say that it might be Norway because of all the death metal and black metal that comes from there. I mean, of course, there is really good Swedish death and black metal as well, but we really got nothing on the Norwegians if you want to compare.
1: Yeah, we don't burn churches as heavily as some bands do in Norway. Allegedly. I'm no, I'm no expert.
0: Allegedly, indeed. Lol. <laughs>
2: Okay, what about you Victor? What's your picks?
0: I mean, of course I play this like a lot and when I play it in paper I always do it with uh, Alpha Beta Swamp number 2 by Dan Fraser. The the sort of the the blackest gray swamp of the three ones in the original sets if you want to but I'm not going to talk too much about this swamp because we've had it before it's it's the classic the best beta swamp you all know it so I challenged myself to see if I wanted to go somewhere completely different where would I go and I ended up at the full art Godzilla swamp by Lucas Graciano so, when uh, Ikoria Lair of Behemoths was released, there was this secret lair with Japanese Caillou art and Godzilla basics. And in this one, this swamp, it's a Japanese esque kind of swamp, I would say, perhaps a rice field of some sort. And in the background, you have Godzilla fighting this, what I take from sort of I did some internet soul searching. So, this some other expert in either in this crew that are just now recording or someone, of our listeners might know more about this. But apparently Godzilla is fighting this huge kaiju monster that ha- that's made out of sort of tars and acids and allegedly has eyes that are sort of almond-shaped and red and they're supposed to symbolize vaginas, which apparently for the person who came up with this creature monster thought really scary and i don't really adhere to those politics but i would say that um, i chose this because there are two huge fuck-off creatures in a swamp and that's basically what this deck does it reanimates huge fuck-off creatures and puts them in a swamp to crush you so uh, that's my alternative curveball pick what do you think
1: yeah i think i think uh, like the better alpha you can't go wrong with that and uh, the the whole swamp scenery in those sets are really great and i'm thinking about you know the the art on force of nature from Alpha, Beta. it kind of looks like that sort of <laughs> it kind of looks like force of nature is walking in this swamp but the part that isn't that isn't dead or as dead <laughs> and if you look really closely at the picture of force of nature it kind of looks like it's taking a dump at maybe what this swamp is but that's that's besides the point like this swamp is (laughs) it's it's a classic like it's super beautiful it's super like uh, iconic it's it's great and i think the Godzilla picture it's it's you know i is that mafra that it's finding i have no clue but
0: h something who the how mm, oh
1: yeah i think like the pudding Putting like massive creatures on a swamp is like yeah, that's that's those are fatties. They're fighting right now. And I think like it's simple and clean. Like Force of Nature is one of my absolute favorite cards from Revise. <laughs> now <laughs> I ruined it. You... I ruined it
2: forever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can never look at this guy again <laughs> without no. without uh, thinking about can't how we need to eat more fibers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry everyone. <laughs> <laughs> this was not in the show notes. <laughs> All right.
2: So I mean, I agree with uh, with Christopher, you can't go wrong with the with the beta, with the better swamp and you you picked the best one as well. Uh, about the, the other swamp, I'm not a fan of those like uh, those creatures that, they, that that is in it. So if you like Take your finger and put it over it. It's a really beautiful picture, like with the sky and how the swamp is depicted and the light is coming out from the horizon. It's it's a really nice landscape. I'm not a fan of the Godzilla in it, but
0: yeah. No, you're probably right about that. Take out the Godzilla and the other big kaiju and you just have this... Because what this picture does that sort of really... And no other swamp that I can think of on top of my head will do is that this swamp extends into the horizon. It's huge and massive, and you sort of stand at one edge of it, and you look sort of just deep in, and without the the and the monster in the middle, in the back, you would just touch the touch the sun basically before you see anything else. I mean, the John Avon classic uh, full art swamp kind of has this perspective; it goes onto this sort of endless thing but that's a road so you sort of know it's going to end in between trees like a, a dead alleyway of trees but this is uh, huge in, in comparison to any other swamp because the swamps are always super dense in, in any, in however they are ever uh, drawn so uh, yeah, really good point.
2: I just got to say I'm, I'm looking at Force of Nature now and, <laughs> and, and I love how he, he has his hand clenched like this because yeah. <laughs> he's making a fist
1: <laughs> when his when his, his like... and you don't see the butt <laughs> it's like i need this power Uh, i actually have a a small bonus mini game for victor so here you have five swamps in front of you for reanimator yep what creature comes together with what swamp
0: all right so let's go start from the from the back then from the Godzilla swamp, you're gonna have your sometimes one-off flex creature, so it could be the uh, you know sire of insanity, or something like that will come from this uh, this monster swamp. From the alpha beta swamp, I think
1: force of uh, nature is not uh, an acceptable answer. <laughs> here.
0: I'm gonna have to say grief then, and then from the uh, Jumpstart Swamp. Uh, I'm gonna say Grisbran because uh, it has the Averson restored uh, grave symbol. This this is probably the graveyard that's sort of just adjacent to where the hell vault is. So Thalia is also lurking around here, which I like because you know she's my hero. The Esper Swamp. I think you get Sarah's emissary rising, sort of this very white angel creature, but it's being animated. So you have this extended ritual for hours even days perhaps and then the angel just bursts out from of this uh, monolithic kind of temple structure somehow ascending towards the moon it's like
1: this unholy ritual happening yeah. to a very holy being
0: yeah and i think then Arkan of cruelty comes out of the epic epic japan graveyard because it's uh this animated the dragon creature that i think could dwell underneath this this symbolism-heavy graveyard, that I think, we can see in the Apex Japan Swamp. Yeah, those are my picks.
2: Can I, can I also add that I think that the Shards of Valera uh, land is great for Chancellor of the Annex. Yeah, yes.
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes, 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 yes. It
1: has this prater uh, feel.
2: I-, I love that card. It has this like—is uh, it white? Really white? <laughs> uh, feeling to it, where it's—it's it, almost like a black card, but it's white.
0: And yeah, and that's so good. Uh, that's uh, like th- that you say that, Robin. That. Chancellor of the Annex feels like a black card, although it's white. That goes really well in what they actually wanted to do in the art direction for New Phyrexia. Because New Phyrexia is basically hell on Mirrodin. Everything is fucked up. All the colors are evil. Chancellor of the Annex is a white card, but it's not a nice card.
1: Yeah, it's just like uh, Elish Norn as well. I guess like the Shards of Alara is like the white creatures in Reanimator. Like Iona, uh, Sarah's Emissary, Mm -hmm. Elish Norn. Like all of these white cards that white doesn't play. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. And I think Elish Norn is also one of those examples. Like when you see the art and think about what the card is doing, it's so far away from white, but it's like Praetor white. I love it. So yeah, good answers, Victor. I, I put you on the spot, but you nailed it.
0: That's why I'm here. And that's all we have. For this week we hope you have enjoyed this episode if you did not we are sorry that you listened all this way without getting a reward of some good content but if you did have fun and you want to support the show do help us grow by telling a friend seriously that really matters if you want to reach out to us directly a great way is to join the discord server you can please find the link in this episode information you can also hit us up on twitter At STHLM Legacy. We are present personally on some social media as well. Robin, would you like to tell where your listeners can find you?
2: I am best found on the Discord server.
1: You can also find me on the Discord server or at Twitter. Where I go under name, Manalif MTG.
0: I am on the Discord server as well, and you can find me on Twitter at DiscoDrogo. And that is the end of the 29th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson, Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Warm thanks to you for listening. The great Frönes has written our music. You should check him out on Spotify. My name is Victor Bernhards. Until next time, stay out of the hell vault.